0: Hey there friends, welcome back to another episode of the Bible in Life podcast. My name is John Whitaker and I am the host and creator of the Bible in Life, which includes not only this podcast, the Bible in Life podcast, but my whole online ministry also includes the Listener's Commentary, which is where I teach straight through books of the Bible. As well as on my website, I have a free ebook entitled Bible in Life that is a resource to help you dig into hearing the Bible well and heeding the Bible that is, understanding it and putting it to practice in your life. And all of that, all these resources that uh, most of which I'm giving away for free or for an incredibly discounted rate, it's possible because of the generous support of people just like you. So, thanks a ton to those of you who make this ministry possible. And as always, if you want to join the team of supporters so that this ministry can continue to grow and have even a broader impact, best way to do that is to swing over to johnwhitaker.net, click the Give button, and it'll redirect you to a page that'll uh, where you could set up a one-time or even a monthly recurring donation. So thanks a ton for your support. And on this episode, we are going to look at a series of Proverbs and an important topic This is actually a sermon that I preached recently at a church here in my hometown of Boise, Idaho. A a sermon on wisdom for parenting from Proverbs. And even if you're not a parent, or if you're a grandparent, or if you're not yet a parent, but you think you might uh, someday be, Lord willing, I think this is worth uh, looking at and listening to because it really talks about the aim that we're after when uh, mentoring somebody, whether it's our own kids, whether it's a niece or a nephew, whether it's our grandkids, whether it's maybe just a, a putting ourselves in a position as a, a Sunday school teacher, children's ministry uh, you know, teacher or leader, or uh, a neighbor or a kid that somehow we just happen to have uh, common contact with. What's our aim? What's our goal in leading them and mentoring them in as a christian and in the ways of god and that's what this podcast will focus on as we look at wisdom for parenting from the book of proverbs good morning it's good to be with you my name is john whitaker we've been in this series this summer uh, where we're looking at proverbs and we're titling it the instructions for life and today we're going to talk about a topic that is vital uh, for our life not only our own life individually but our life as a community of faith in the family of god We're going to talk today about um, God's wisdom for parenting and for family life, for kids. Um, And I remember 1990, uh, 1996, a long time ago, I was teaching at Boise Bible College. My wife was pregnant with her first child. Um, And I remember in the middle of the night, my wife waking me up saying, John, I think it's time and we rush to the hospital. And then, you know, then it's hurry up and wait. And then 13 hours later, my son was born. Um, and, and I remember holding my son for the first time and looking at this little tiny human being. And, and here's the thought that went through my mind in that moment. But the thought went through my mind is I'm a dad. I who did not have a dad. I'm a dad. Um, And that struck me because my earliest childhood memory has been the day that my dad walked out on the family. And I grew up without a father. Uh, My dad left when I was three and a half, didn't come back around until I was seven. And between seven and 18, I saw my dad four or five times, and that was it. He was not a person in my life. And now all of a sudden, there I am holding my own son. And I who didn't have a dad, I'm a dad. And then the next thought is, what the heck do I do? Right? Like, what do I do? Um, How do I do this? How do I be a dad? And not just any dad. I didn't even grow up in a Christian home. How do I be a dad that honors God with the life of this little human being? Um, And then, then a few years later, this time I'm in Acts class. I'm teaching the book of Acts when all of a sudden, uh, th- this was back before everyone had cell phones. The phone rings in the classroom. We had little phones hanging on the wall in the classroom. Phone rings. It's the gal at the, the receptionist of, of the, the school office, and she says, uh, your wife is on the phone. I said, my wife's on the phone. The whole class knew what was going on. They all erupted in cheers. My wife says, John, it's time. We go to the hospital. And now it's a little girl. And, I, and now I'm holding a, a little girl, Right? And, and in that moment, all of a sudden now you're thrust right into the throes of parenting. Um, and the next thing you know, right? You're not getting any sleep at night and the baby's crying and you're wondering, I wonder why they're crying. You check their diaper. It's not that. We don't know why this thing is crying, right? And all the stuff that goes with it and you're not getting any sleep, you're exhausted, right? And these little tiny humans are now entrusted to you. What do you do? What do you do with them? So we're gonna look at Some wisdom from the book of Proverbs on that fact, parenting. And it doesn't say everything we need to say about parenting, but Proverbs does give some incredible wisdom on that topic. And if you're here, you're like, look, I've raised my kids. I'm not a parent anymore. Why did I come to church today? It's like, because maybe you're going to be a grandparent. And because the wisdom that Proverbs gives us doesn't end when your kids graduate from high school or graduate from college. The wisdom it gives us continues on, even with adult kids, that you get to influence and you get to shape and you get to be a person of influence in their life. And if you're here and you're like, I'm like 21, 22, and I don't have any kids, and why am I here? It's because the best time to form a a battle plan is before the battle starts. And you should start thinking about, you know, God's, wisdom and God's will and God's plan for any future kids God might bless you with now before you have them. So not only that, the wisdom that Proverbs is going to give us, it pertains to like if you're a grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle, or a mentor to somebody who's not even your biological child, but you're mentoring them. This wisdom is incredibly helpful for all of us across the board. All right. So we're going to jump in and we're going to look at Proverbs. And the first thing we want to do is we want to look at just the entire framework of Proverbs. As we wrestle with, what wisdom does Proverbs has for uh, parenting and raising kids and developing little lives? Just the whole framework of Proverbs teaches us some incredible things. So what I want to do is I want to read just a handful of passages out of the first few chapters of Proverbs to help us see how Proverbs is framed, that Proverbs is set up as this father passing on wisdom to his kids, to his son, particularly, it says this Proverbs chapter one, verse eight and nine says, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Don't ignore your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful wreath around your head and necklace for your neck. Like here's how Proverbs begins and sets up the context that as we read through it, here's a dad encouraging his son saying, listen to my instruction. Listen to my teaching. Listen to me as I try to teach and guide and train you in the way you should go. Listen to your mother uh, and, and her teaching as well. If you do, it says it'll be like a graceful wreath for your head and a necklace for your neck. What's the point of that image? The point is, adornment. If you will take this instruction in, if you'll listen to your parents' teachings, it's going to make your life beautifully good. It's going to bring adornment to your life and it's going to be rich and it's going to be good. Or again, Proverbs chapter two, verses one and two says, my son if you will receive my words, if you will welcome them into your heart and treasure my commandments within you, like store them up is the idea of treasure. If you'll store them up and learn them and and take them into you so that they'll be ready when you need them, right? Treasure up my commandments within you. Make your ear attentive to wisdom, wisdom and incline your heart to understanding. Lean in to understanding. This is the appeal of a father saying, I want you to lean in. I want you to get wisdom. I want you to get understanding. And this reminds us that this father that's passing, it's not just any old father. This is a good father, a father that has wisdom, a father that has understanding. And he's saying, son, I'm passing on to you some real wisdom. And if you'll lean into it, right, um, it'll be good for you. Uh, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, the same sort of thing. My son, don't forget my teaching, but have your heart comply with my commandments. Like, do them. Put them into practice, right? Don't just let them go in one ear and out the other, but, but take them in and, and comply. Do them. Why? Listen to what he says. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. Here is a, here's a father passing on wisdom to his son saying, if you'll take them in and if you'll do them, they're going to they're give you a long, full, good life. They'll bring peace. And the word peace is shalom, wholeness, well-being, right? Like harmony, your life is going to be well-ordered and it's going to work right. So take these in to yourself. And then again, Proverbs chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, this framework that sets the whole trajectory of the book says, Listen, my sons, to the instructions of a father. Pay attention so that you may gain understanding, for I give you good teaching. See, here's a a dad giving good teaching, giving wise words, things that are genuinely beneficial and helpful. I give you good teaching. Don't abandon my instruction. And then he even says, This is what I did. When, when I was a son to my father, um, tender and the only son on the side of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart take hold of my words. Keep my commandments and live. Acquire wisdom. Acquire understanding. Now, This sets the entire direction and whole framework for the book of Proverbs where Proverbs is all about trying to impart wisdom to our our sons and our daughters and our grandkids, everyone else, right? Like it's passing on wisdom. That's the frame. And these passages that tell us this frame, they actually provide for us some incredibly helpful insights about what it means to raise our kids wisely and well. And so let me just draw three implications from these passages I just read. We'll look at some more Proverbs in a second. But just from these that set the direction for the book, there are some really important implications. And the first one is this. Um, It tells us the objective, the main aim of our parenting, and that's this. Our aim should be to pass on God's wisdom to our kids. That's our aim our aim is to pass on God's wisdom to our kids. Now, this has been said several times in the course of this series this summer, but I feel like I need to restate it here. When we talk about God's wisdom, that's not arbitrary. That's not just purely religious words. When Proverbs talks about wisdom, what it's talking about is the way the universe is designed to function. Like, There's a certain way that the universe was made, that human beings were designed to to operate. There's a certain way that human relationships were designed to work. It's just woven into the fabric of creation. That's what God's wisdom is. It's living in sync with the design for the function of the universe. And so our aim is to pass that wisdom on to our kids. And notice how big and broad that objective is. Our goal is not just to make, you know, good kids. I just want my kids to be decent kids, good kids. Our, our aim isn't even like to make, you know, good church kids. I want my kids just to go to church and be involved in a youth group, be really active in all the programs of the church, be great church members. That's not our goal. Our, our goal isn't even, quote unquote, to, to get them saved. All right? Our goal is to help them to live in sync with the way God created them to live. Our goal is to help them to live according to the design of the universe. And that is what promises all these blessings in Proverbs. And the whole book of Proverbs is passing on this wisdom from a father to a son about decision-making, about friendships, about your anger or about self-control or about money or about marriage, all these like ordinary stuff of everyday life. Why do we have a whole book in the Bible about that? Because that's critical to human flourishing. And our goal as parents is to pass that on to them. That's the number one objective we're after. Now, this this, these, these passages also give us like the key means by which we do that. They model for us. They show us the key means by how we pass on God's wisdom. And so that's this, that if we, we want to pass on God's wisdom, we must talk about God and faith and wisdom in the context of ordinary everyday life. You don't just send your kids off to church and hope the church you know, passes on God's wisdom to them. You don't just get them involved in the youth group and hope the youth pastor will pass on God's wisdom to them. You don't just you know, get them, make sure they go to Sunday school from the time they're born and you know, they're involved in every church activity. That's not the, the way you do it. You, you do it by talking about it just like this dad is. He's, he's appealing. He's talking. He's having conversations. He's sharing. He's engaged. That's the way we do it. We talk about God, about faith, and about wisdom in the context of everyday life. In fact, um, there's a book that came out just a couple years ago that is kind of the findings of a massive nationwide study, a study that took place over a number of years. And this study, uh, the aim of the study was to say, what are the factors that lead for kids as they move into adulthood to actually adopt the faith of their, their parents? Like, that allows the parents to pass on their faith, and their kids now are living out that faith. And they didn't just survey Christians. They surveyed Christians, Jews, Muslims, across the board, and they looked at what are the factors that actually enable the faith to be passed on uh, to the next generation. And you know what they found? Far away, like the first factor, more than anything else, like second place didn't even come close to this one. The first factor was not how many times they went to church, it was not uh, how many religious, you know, Bible studies they went to. The first factor, far and away, was this: that mom and dad talked about their faith as a part of ordinary life during the week. That was the number one factor, far and away. Um, that more than anything else, if mom and dad just talked about it, they talked about it as they drove in the car. They talked about it as they uh, they sat at home. They talked about it in the context of everyday life. They asked questions. They had. Dialogue, right? And they were engaged with each other and the, the kids could ask questions and the parents could answer and there was real intentional communication uh, just as, so that the kids could see that this was real to the parents and that they lived it and they loved it and they believed it and it wasn't just church. It, it was real wisdom for life far and away, biggest factor. And so we must talk about God and faith and wisdom in the context of everyday life. And then these passages we just read, this framework for Proverbs also shows us the key ingredient, um, the key ingredient for passing on God's wisdom to our kids. And that's this, that we need to foster a warm relationship of grace and truth. Again, here's, here's a dad talking in a relational context having a conversation, appealing. He actually talks about when when he himself was a a little boy and the tender one on the side of his mother. And this is all the context of a warm, real relationship. And again, this study that I just referenced actually showed that it wasn't just talking to your kids about their faith. It was doing so in a home environment where there was a, a warm relational context where the kids were invited into a relational environment and where they were allowed to talk and there was give and take, this context, this environment of grace and truth. We have to cultivate that. And notice I say both grace and truth. We live in a culture where truth is not valued. Most people don't believe in objective truth, particularly about spiritual things or moral things or things that we would say, you know, God's wisdom, right? But we have to have that. It's not my feelings. I don't get to pass on, if I'm going to actually form kids in the way of God, I don't get to pass on my own personal opinions and my own personal feelings. It's got to be rooted in the truth of God. Um, and so we have to cultivate an environment of truth where where there's standards and we think things through and we wrestle with things, right? And and we look at what God says about it and that's important, but there's also grace. There's this, this, this environment where there's warmth and there's love, and there's tenderness, and there's affection. There's the the freedom to be less than perfect, and to be a work in progress, and to make some mistakes, and to fail, and to be picked back up again. Both of those create this environment in which we can have real conversations with our kids about God's wisdom. And if we're going to pass on God's wisdom to our kids, that's critical. We have to cultivate a warm relationship of grace and truth. Now, let's Let's, there's more to it than that. That's not it, right? That's, that's some of it. That's important. But Proverbs has more to say. So let's look at probably the most well-known proverb related to parenting. Um, it's a proverb that if you've heard any proverbs about parenting, you may have heard this one. And yet there's oftentimes a, a, a lack of understanding of what it's actually saying. And there's misapplication of it all the time. Proverbs 22.6. Proverbs 22.6 says this. Train up a child in the way he should go. And even when he's old, he will not depart from it. Very popular, very well known, and yet often misunderstood. Um, First thing is this, is this is not a guarantee. Proverbs don't make any guarantees. That's not the way Proverbs function. They're not giving guarantees. They're giving observations about the way life usually works, right? So train up a child in the way he should go is not a guarantee that... I'll just make sure they're raised in the church. I'll make sure they're raised in the faith. Even if you do everything right and you have these, you know, grace and truth and you have these conversations, there's no guarantees they're going to choose to follow God's way. Why? Because you're raising a little human who has their own choices and they can choose to believe what you teach them and they can choose to reject it. So, We don't have any guarantees as parents. We just don't. And we need to come to terms with that, okay? We don't have any guarantees. There's not a formula. It's not a program. Um, There are some things that help (laughs) and things that make things more likely, but there are no guarantees. I I know a family who, um, they they were one of the most godly families I know super involved in their church in good and healthy, vibrant ways. They have the, the environment of grace and truth, and there's real conversations in the home. There's lots of dialogue. There's lots of love, right? They talk about their faith in the context of everyday life, like we just talked about, all those things. They do all of that. And as a result, two of their kids are actually involved in ministry, uh, you know, like vocational ministry, serving the church they love the lord they're raising their own kids in the lord right and one of their kids not only has rejected the faith but walked away completely rejected the family and spent over a decade with no relationship no communication with mom and dad we have no guarantees and we need to be honest about that so proverbs 22:6 is not giving us a guarantee and 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 even what it's saying, sometimes it's misunderstood. Can we put it back on the screen real quick? Look what it says. Train up in the child the way he should go. But the way he should go isn't actually in the Hebrew. They've supplied that, and I don't know that that's the best way to read it. Literally what it says is, train up a child according to his way. Or, in fact, the word train doesn't even usually mean train. It means to dedicate, to start, to initiate. It's what we would say launch. right? Like Launch a child according to his way. And even when he's old, he won't depart from. In other words, what is, what is it saying? What that proverb is actually saying is the way you start a kid is probably the way they're going to go for the rest of their life. The way you start a kid, the way you launch a kid, that's more often than not, that's the direction they're probably going to go for the rest of their life. If you let them go their own way, well, their own way they're going to go. Right? That's what the proverb is actually saying. The way you launch them is the way they will go. And what this reminds us, if we could draw one implication from that for us today is this, is that uh, passing on God's wisdom to our kids requires intentionality. It requires intentionality. It doesn't happen on accident. It doesn't If you're going to launch a kid in the proper way, the right way, you're going to have to work at it. You're going to have to put some time into it. There's going to have to be some energy given to it, right? There's going to have to be some intentionality behind it. You're going to have to pray. You're going to have to think. You're going to have you and your husband or wife. You're going to have to talk about it, right? You're going to have to think this whole thing through. There's going to be there's going to be course corrections along the way. You're going to have to be intentional. It's not you can't just drift into hoping that your kids are going to end up living out the wisdom of God you're going to have to be intentional and deliberate and that takes work. And that means, you know, when you come home from work and you're tired and you just don't feel like doing it right, you don't have the energy, you're still going to have to buckle down. You're going to have to do what's good and right for your kids, right? You can't just sit there and scrolling on your phone and being disengaged, not going to work right? If you're going to cultivate an environment of grace and truth, uh, you can't be harsh, you can't be mean-spirited, you can't be overbearing, you can't be heavy-handed, right? You can't be unwilling to listen and have conversations. You've got to be willing to admit when you make mistakes, right? All of that takes intentionality. All of that takes intentional effort. And so if we're going to pass on God's wisdom to our kids, we've got to be intentional, particularly in a culture like this that does not support God's wisdom, right? We live in a pluralistic society where there's so many different views about what's good and right and wise, where there's so many different views about uh, kids and the way kids should be raised and the way be, and human nature. We, we have so many different views that if we, as the people of God, are actually going to pass on God's wisdom, not the world's wisdom, we can't just drift we're gonna to have to be willing to go upstream and against the grain. We're gonna to have to be willing to listen and learn and think, right? And we're gonna to have to figure that out and be intentional about it. And so passing on God's wisdom takes intentionality. Another little thing we learned from Proverbs, another bit of wisdom, and we'll look at some Proverbs on this in a second, but it's this. Passing on God's wisdom takes the rod of discipline. Passing on God, Proverbs emphasizes this, passing on God's wisdom takes the rod of discipline. There's a figure of speech for you, the rod of discipline. What does that figure of speech refer to? It is a figure of speech that really uh, that, that gives this idea that if we're going to pass on God's wisdom, it's going to take correction and direction for our kids. Can't just let them go their own way. We're going to have to... We're gonna to have to give some correction. We're gonna have to be courageous. We're gonna to have to redirect, right? We're gonna to have to correct, correct ideas, correct behaviors. We're gonna to have to engage, and so the rod of discipline refers to correction and direction with our kids in whatever appropriate ways that makes sense. Um, a couple of proverbs on that. Look at this one: Proverbs 15. This is one of those that kind of goes against the sentimentality of our society where we seem to think kids, you know, are just, we have a sentimental view of kids. There's got to be a little more realistic view of that. Listen to Proverbs 22, 15. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will remove it far from him. And when we say foolishness, the word fool or foolishness in Proverbs does not just mean childishness. Right? That's not at all what it means. The fool in Proverbs is the one who goes his own way. The fool in Proverbs is the one who gives full vent to his anger. The fool in Proverbs is the one who has no self-control. The fool in Proverbs is the one who doesn't believe in God. The fool in Proverbs is, is the one who uh, is, is unwilling to listen to advice. Foolishness is bound up in the heart heart of the child means that part of, not the sum total, this is only one verse, right? But part of a child's nature is to go their own way and to resist the wisdom and the will of God. That's just part of a child's nature. Um, This kind of immoral foolishness that wants to go against the wisdom of God, that's bound up in the heart of a child. Now, Jesus brings the balance to this, right? We don't want to, you know, take this as a sum total of the scriptures teaching about kids, Jesus brings the balance when he says, let the little children come to me, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Right? Like, Kids have incredible value, incredible beauty, incredible worth. They have some great traits. Right? Like, let, let the little children come to me. The kingdom of heaven belongs to them. That's part of their nature too. But so is this, this resistance to wisdom, this resistance to what's good for them, their tendency to want to resist God and his truth. And this says, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child, but providing some correction and direction will remove it far from them. You have to put some effort in, and you're going to have to provide the rod of discipline, some correction and some direction. Or another one, Proverbs 13:24 says, He who withholds the rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. Think about that like that it is a mark of love to bring training and correction and direction to your child's life. And it is a mark of indifference and hostility to your your son or your daughter to just let them go their own way, to let them do their own thing and, and not engage and not be there and not shape and not coach and not lead. If you just go, let the kid go their own way, that's a mark of hostility to them. If you love them. You'll engage, and you'll teach, and you'll train, and you'll discipline, and you'll correct, and you'll write all the things. Or Proverbs twenty nine fifteen says this: "The rod and a rebuke give wisdom, but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mom." The child just left his own devices is going to bring dishonor to the family and to the mom. But notice what I want you to notice here is the rod and a rebuke. That's conversation. That's discussion. It's not just heavy handed punishment. It's correction uh, with conversation, with rebuke, with explaining, with helping someone understand, right? It's, it's all of that together. There's this environment um, that brings all of that together. And so I want to put an image on the screen. It's an image that I came across when our kids were young that really shaped a lot of the way things happened in our home. It was very helpful to me. And I hope it's helpful to you. Oftentimes when we think discipline or parenting, we, we think in terms of correction. How do I punish my kids? How do I straighten out their behavior, right? How do I fix things when they go wrong? Like my kid's acting up, what should I do now? Um, but notice if we're, if we're thinking about the whole thing, that's actually a very small part of the equation. It's only the tip of the iceberg. There's a whole lot more in the relationship between parents and kids than just correction and fixing behavior when it's you know, broken or gone wrong. And in fact, it, effective correction is only as good as the teaching that underlies it. If you don't teach your son or your daughter how to, what, you, what your expectations are, what you want them to do, then your correction is really unjust and unfair. You're correcting them for something that they don't even yet know how to do. And that's not fair, and that's not right, and that's not going to help. It's probably going to make them bitter and resentful. And so we need to make sure we give more time to teaching than to correction. And your ability to teach them well is directly dependent on the relationship that you have with them. Because every child is different, right? And so for you to understand their needs and understand why they're struggling with something or why they're not getting something, you're going to have to have a relationship with them. And you're going to have to have built some rapport. Not only that, if you build a relationship with them, guess what? They're more likely to trust you and have credibility. You'll have credibility with them. So your relationship is critical uh, to your ability to teach them well. Um, and we're seeing all of this in what we've read in Proverbs. Correction, instruction, uh, understanding, relationship, where I can appeal, and we can talk about, it, right? Like, we've seen all of that in the passages we've read out of Proverbs this morning. And so you've got to invest time in that relationship. Husband and wife relationship, we, we didn't have time to talk about that today. But just note this, real brief. If there is, if there is tension, hostility, or chaos between mom and dad, it's going to create an emotional climate in the home that's not going to be good for kids. So that's gonna directly affect your ability to teach and train and correct and lead your kids. So you need to work on that one. And then lastly, way of being. What's that? It's the kind of person you are. It's who you are in relationship to your spouse. It's who you are in relationship to your kids. It's who you are in relationship to your teachers or their friends, other people of influence in your kid's life, right? It's who you are, it's your character. It's your character. It's the kind of person you are, and the way you interact with them, and, and all of that, like, and, and notice, it, it's the foundation, and it's the biggest chunk. Who you are as a person will have far more influence on the impact you have on your kids than anything else. So the, the, the key thing is to be working on your own heart, your own character, your own personhood, your own relational skills, your own ability to interact, because your way of being in relationship to your family has a a massive amount of effect on how well you can do everything else. Now, one last observation on this this little pyramid. Look Look at correction at the top and then everything underneath correction. Correction is fixing things when they go wrong. Everything else is working for things to go right. The bulk of our energy should be poured into working for things to go right. And when we do that, we'll have much more opportunity to pass on the wisdom of God. Now, the reality is, when we talk about way of being, none of us are perfect, right? None of us are perfect. None of us are fully like Jesus. Jesus is the only perfect person, right? I was not a perfect parent, My daughter was in first service, right? (laughs) Sitting over here. Uh, She knows the shortcomings and faults of her dad. Um, I was not a perfect parent. My wife wasn't perfect, but none of us are perfect parents. There's only one perfect person, Jesus. Um, But the, the reality is, Jesus laid down his life to open the way for us to return to him. And as we return to him, what do we gain? Well, look at Colossians chapter 2. Colossians, Paul's writing to the church at Colossae, and he says this. He says that he labors, he struggles, he strives, he pours himself out so that they would attain to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in the true knowledge of God's mystery. This is the phrase I want you to catch. The, the, The true knowledge of God's mystery, that is, Christ himself, look what it says, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, Jesus is the treasure chest of wisdom and knowledge. You want God's wisdom in your life so that you can pass it on to your kids? Go to Jesus. You want God's wisdom in your life so that you can help bring your kids in Jesus? Point them to Jesus. Give them Jesus. Live for Jesus and give them Jesus because Jesus is the treasure chest of wisdom and knowledge. The best thing we can do is to help our kids learn to walk hand in hand with Jesus. And we may get them started on the road to God's wisdom, but Jesus can take them the rest of the way. And Jesus laid down his life to make that possible for you and for me. The reality is, is passing on God's wisdom, ultimately is passing on the way of Jesus. And so my encouragement, my prayer to you is that that you and I would be people so deeply connected to Jesus that his wisdom would leak out of us. We would be so deeply connected to Jesus that our kids could see Jesus in us. And as Paul said to the Corinthians, imitate me as I imitate Christ, our kids could look at us and say, I know he's not perfect. I know she's not perfect, but but he's following Jesus. And as he imitates Jesus, I'll imitate him. May it be so. And if I could real quickly just say to the guys, somewhere along the line in American history, guys, we got, we got sold this bill of goods that women are better at this than men. Didn't used to be that way. In fact, in the colonial America, there was this phrase, house father. Because men were viewed as the ones that were primarily responsible for the climate and the culture of the home. That's what you see in Proverbs. You see a wise man uh, leading his family. So men, God made you for this. He made you to do the emotional work to relate to your wife, to relate to uh, your kids and to pour yourself out and lay down your your life for them just like Jesus laid down his life for you. So will you take responsibility for that? Will you take responsibility for that and pour yourself out uh, for your wife, your kids and pointing them towards Jesus and helping pass on the wisdom of God to them?